Alright. Right. Just squeeze myself in here. I'm not moving from this position. Yeah, don't kick the mic stand. Don't get uncomfortable. Don't, don't kick it. Gonna, You're already almost gonna kick it. I have to take my wallet out. Okay, get comfy. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. And this is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to it. This is this is 24. Number 24? Yep. We we made, did, you, did, you, did, you did a count? Yep. That's are, exactly two years. We are, This is our two year. We two years. started in January. I always thought it was a spring thing. Uh, apparently not. Okay. All Maybe right. that was the hidden, like, the lost episode that started in the spring. Did we do a lost episode? Yeah, we've, we have that episode that we started, and then it took so long to get around to editing that we abandoned it and started over. I have over. no recollection of that. Yeah, there is, a, there is a lost Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio intro episode. Oh, man. The, the pilot. We should, uh, we, so, should, like, we should edit it and release it and code it into an indie game or something. <laughs> <laughs> to be part of the big puzzle. You do a secret thing and people you will find think the... that that's the payoff. <laughs> the you... most awkward podcast ever recorded. Wow, I got, I got this whole like thing was an hour long. It sounded like a podcast to a game audio or something. About game audio and it sounded really poorly planned. <laughs> they didn't seem to really know what they were talking about. Drastically different microphones. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot that. And yeah. it's not like, oh, I remember. I have no recollection. It's yeah. gone. I didn't know we did that. So uh, we should find it. Okay, somewhere on a hard drive. It's okay. on my place somewhere. Once, once we get interns, we'll get it all yeah. cut Yeah, once we get the Baka guy interns. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, all right, so you've been busy. Oh, my God. There's too much to do right now. Yeah. Um, we're finaling Oklos. Oklos is... Aiming to be content complete in in like three weeks. So you're in the thick of stuff. Just I've been I've been working on that game for two years. Just this week. Yeah. And they've been working on it since 2012. Wow. It's been a long run. Yeah. So I'm excited to see that one out. They released the uh, Devolver trailer, first Devolver trailer, and then we've got a couple more to do. Um, cool, cool. It's doing well. Nice. It had like 25,000 views or something. Nice. 23. I don't know. Over 20. So that's decent. That's good. Yep. I guess the biggest thing that's going on with me is I helped plan the Seattle, Vancouver, Bellingham mini conference meetup yeah, thing. Huge. I'm 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 I I'm still weird about what do I call it. We're not calling it a symposium. That's already taken. Yeah. DigiPen's got that. They've got a symposium. Which it is not a, a symposium. I, I was calling it a mini conference. Minicon? Yeah. That was being thrown around. So, for those of you, I don't know, if you've listened to us, you probably know, but if you don't, uh, I had an idea that I wanted to get the Vancouver meetup scene, game audio meetup scene, and the Seattle meetup scene, which is really great. They really get together really well. Us all together. And I met John from Bellingham. John Bash. We should call it the John Bash Bash. Yeah. John Bash Sound Bash. <laughs> And then we could get a logo with like slashes to make it. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> so I met I met John Bash and I was like, he's in Bellingham. And I'm like, oh, that's the that's the perfect spot, like sort of halfway for us to meet up. And he was like, oh yeah, that's cool. I, you know, I'd be willing to help with that. And I'm like, all right, I need somebody to poke me because all I have is the idea and not the motivation. Mm -hmm. So he scored us a venue, um, and Great poked venue. poked me, um, and Damien until. We 
basically poked us into doing it. So a lot of credit goes to John for getting this together. Mm-hmm. So uh, I picked some speakers. Uh, Damien p- picked some speakers, and we all got together for a half day of – there was like four talks and two panels. Yep. Um, so a half day of like five hours of game audio talks and stuff. So, yeah, it was like a mini conference. Yeah. The, the sound bash. It was awesome. The talks were like GDC level. Yeah. Easily. <laughs> I picked me and you. I picked me. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah, mine might not be in GDC level. but Yeah, yeah but it sure was. Totally the, was. Um, the optimization talk, I was all over that. Yeah, Chase, Chase um, from 343 three. did a super awesome talk about game audio optimization. It took like 10 pages of notes yeah. on that and then one quarter page of notes on all the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> you all, you probably already know all the stuff <laughs> I talked about. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it was good. We had we had a we had those, and you talked about VR, and um, I talked about stuff. Which we're going to go through my talk today here on the, the podcast for those Lucy Goosey, those of you who weren't in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a panel on field recording, which was really cool. Um, and then we did, we had the plan, I had the idea, I want to do a, like, a fully day of crowdsourced set of talks, mm. but we decided, okay, we can't do that, we'll do one panel that's crowdsourced from what does the crowd want to hear about. Yeah. So we were writing down, like, getting ideas from the crowd, and we just went, you know what, let's do all the ideas, and whoever wants to talk about them. So we did, like, Six. mini rapid-fire two-minute talks. Yeah, six mini panels. It was awesome. Yeah. So we got a bunch of people up out of the crowd and be like, okay, you want to talk? We came up with topics and said, who wants to talk about this? Or or some people were kind of forced to talk about it because yes. everybody knew that they were an expert in something as well. Um, the RJ mini panel was RJ. Yeah. Was RJ. yeah. <laughs> RJ, put RJ, RJ in, in the, the chair. chair. <laughs> um, so it was awesome. It turned out really good. It seems like we had, uh, we had over 40 people mm-hmm. in attendance. Everyone seemed really happy. Everybody liked it. So I think we're going to do it again. And so, yeah. To reiterate what we've said before and we say again, if you're sitting there being like, oh, man, I wish my community had something like this. Well, ours only has it because we made it. Yeah. So uh, see what you can do. Neil's just had the first Dutch um, game audio meetup. Yeah. in In the Netherlands. We just saw that on Twitter. So that's. Awesome. Yeah, he did a cool write-up, you know, and yeah. he he credits us amazingly enough. We, we keep telling people to do it. And he did it, and he got it together. So, yeah, make a page on meetup.com or whatever you think is appropriate to get people together. And Seattle uses the Yahoo mailing group. Yeah, you'd it's be surprised it comes out of the woodwork. Facebook, whatever. Like, yeah. There's a lot of ways to organize people to get people together. And mm-hmm. Like, wherever you are, there's probably, like you're saying, there's probably more audio people than you realize. Yeah. So, spread the word. Like, I'm sure we probably thought we knew maybe a majority of people between us yeah. in the industry, and that's not true at all. Yeah. Like, we have 200, over 200 people. I don't, and, I don't, and the I don't, Vancouver Game Audio Meetup has over 200 people signed up, and I don't know most of them. I certainly don't. Or I didn't before. Yeah. I still don't. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. All right. So we're going to go through my um, my talk I did. Yeah. Basically, my talk was uh, a rejected GDC talk. The best kind of GDC talk, probably. I, I thought was really good and got got shot down. But I'm like, I think this is good information that still people need to know or yeah. should know. Or, you know, so. So, yeah. So I did it at 
visa budget, whatever. <laughs> with, with the, it was a, the Vancouver, Seattle, Bellingham game audio. Oh, uh, okay. Mini con. Yeah. As, as long as don't, we're into don't really awkward me, acronyms. Don't ever let me give you a name for acronyms. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I did three interesting things about three interesting games. Uh, blah, blah. There was a whole slide about me. We, uh, obviously, I'm not going to go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to talk about was the voice processing in Invisible Ink. The ambient system in Don't Starve, and the 2D occlusion obstruction system in Mark of the Ninja. Mm-hmm. So, the there was four kinds of voice processing in Invisible Ink. Four classes. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way of putting it. There is the in-game voiceover, the front-end voiceover, the guard barks, and the incognita computer voice. Mm-hmm. Mostly I'm going to talk about the incognito commuter voice because that was the cool one. But uh, I, you, you, you can't see that, but on my slide is the uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine plugins I used on the regular voice processing. Will you post the slides somewhere? Uh, yeah, I could do that. Um, and my, my, so this is my chain for regular voices. Uh, a precision EQ... A flavor EQ, a deesser, a compressor, a compressor, a compressor, uh, a reverb, a futz box, and a multiband compressor. Right. And I may have had a limiter in there too. Right. <laughs> That's that'd be ten. Um. So I'm. <laughs> I think it takes a lot of plugins to get what I want. Do you remember like what they were doing in in interesting details, or were you just slapping things on until it was good? Uh, no, like, I, I start with, I always use a lot of compressors. Yeah. Um, I do the whole start really slow and get faster as you go up the sort of chain of compressors. Mm-hmm. Um, I And you only ever get, like, 1 to 3 dB of compression in each compressor. Right. And that, I feel, gets a much more transparent compression, so you can actually dig in a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason to do that. Um, in this case, I used uh, the Renaissance compressor because I just wanted something not clean, clean, but mm-hmm. not overly colored. Yeah. Um, so I started out with uh, EQ, um, and that was the first EQ was just a little little fix of stuff, filters, and a little touch of EQ that was really just surgically to clean up some stuff, yeah. make sure there was no extraneous low end and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then I had uh, a Neve emulation EQ because I wanted that sound. Mm-hmm. I wanted some nice vintage EQ in there. So the second EQ was more about the sound I was getting from it than anything else. Right. Then So that was sort of like I do my surgical stuff, and then I do my broad strokes to sort of like boost some, some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then de-est it, then all my whack of compressors. Um and I used Futzbox and Reverb straight on everything in this case because okay. I wasn't – I knew the sound I wanted, and I didn't want to, like, run reverbs in the game right. for this and be switching back and forth and stuff like that. So yep. it was just, like, easier to print it because I'm like, this is VO. Yeah. The guard, the guards didn't have reverb on them because that was in the game world. Right. Um, so this was just, like, I, I picked a verb I liked for flavor of – the VO. Okay. So, so a lot of it was that. I mean, it was some some sort of just gut checking of like, I think this is the EQ that I will give me the sound I want. 
kind of stuff and mm-hmm. just fiddling, like selecting a selection of lines that I felt were indicative of most of the stuff. Yeah. Looping that and just playing with stuff until. Yeah, that'd be the best way to A-B it, Yeah, wouldn't it? I think I'm almost ready to start using some emulation things. Yeah. Rather than just clean everything. Yeah. Like right now I just go for it. I just use all the most transparent club plugins I can find, but mm-hmm. I think I'm ready for some color. Yeah, it's it's part of like to me the color you add in is like it's back to what what I like do with like limiters and microphones that I pick for a game. Mm-hmm. It's like what kind of what kind of color does this want? Is it like high end and pristine and you know clear, or should this have a little like warmth and grunge to it possibly? Mm-hmm. So that's to me the emulated stuff is where you get you get that right. So so that was regular regular stuff. So um, the incognita stuff, uh, this is better when you got the pictures, but I'll have to describe it to you. Yeah. Every line, every line that incognita says, I recorded um, three times, like back to back to back, um, and then cut and layered those over top of each other. I cut them. Did you cut all the incognita lines? I did. You did. <laughs> No, no, I cut the incognito, a lot of the incognito I stuff. layered a lot of them. I, I remember doing tons. I layered a we lot of them, We probably both did tons. Because I, for, I think I, at one point I had forgotten what I had done. Right. And went and we're like, oh, this is this is going really quick. I just grabbed the one line and I dupe it two times and I put it there. And then I'm like, this doesn't sound right. I might have done and the I second looked, batch. Because we did two, yeah, batch, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did two recording did, batches. Yeah. So yeah. I did the first ones. You did the second ones. Yes. So, yeah, you're intimately aware of this one. Yeah, that was T-D-E-S. Um, so you take all three takes, put them on tracks on top of each other, and then you have to cut it so that it lines back up again, but yeah. not too much. Just pretty, like, all your, you want all your consonants to line up. Yeah, yeah, the hard stuff. You line up the hard stuff, and then the rest of the stuff kind of shimmers around. Your consonants and the and reason your was, I was thinking about it as, like, triple stacking background vocals in music. yeah that you get this natural chorusing mm-hmm. from all of that. So that's mm-hmm. what I was after. Um, it's a chorus, but it doesn't sound like the 80s. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I stacked them up, edited them, either me or you, and then I've got the things, so I'll play it. So this is what all oh, three, cool. three sound like together. Personality matrix integrity critical. And then on each track I played had different effects, and then a master chain of effects as well so so this is the one track with its effects personality matrix integrity critical this is the second track with its effects personality matrix integrity critical and the third track with its effects personality matrix integrity critical all of those together personality matrix integrity critical and then here it is with the master chain on all three of them together, which is the final thing you hear in the game. Personality matrix integrity critical. So what's going on there? So the first track had crystallizer on it. Sound toys, awesome. Get great, weird, uh, pitchy delay stuff. Sponsor us. <laughs> uh, the second track had sci-fi on it with a, a little um, filter freak envelope following stuff. The third track had uh, Ren Bass, Little Micro Shift from Sound Toys. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. 
and the Lexicon PSP42, which is a emulation of the old Lexicon Delay, which you can get weird, weird, wacky stuff out of. Is that the one you used for that great other room sound? The other room reverb? No. Oh, different one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was an actual hardware. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. Side note, if anyone's got an old TC Electronics M1 multi-effects unit, the through the room or... Through the wall. Through the wall, I can't remember exactly, or from the club or something like that, is the best patch for stuff coming from the other side of a wall. Like, it's brilliant. Uh, so the Master Chain had EQ, limiter, and Nectar Elements. I had mucked with a bunch of stuff in Nectar Elements to come up with. Um, so, yet again, that's three... Eight plugins again. <laughs> I'm no stranger to putting a lot of plugins on something. <laughs> <laughs> it's once, not a contest, you guys. <laughs> once, once I do put plugins on a track when I'm not audio sweeting, I go a little nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out to be tedious in the editing, but the results I think were really good. Like it sounded really great. It was still yeah. very robotic, but still very intelligible. Like, you could still tell everything she was saying, but mm -hmm. it didn't sound human. And, yeah, it was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, it was. As well. Especially, like, working on those, um, working on the cutscenes was so fun, I found. Yeah. It's, once all the voices and stuff were in, it was great. Yeah. So, that was one thing from one interesting game. Um, now, the ambiences in Don't Starve. This is cool. So, problem, problem. How do you do ambiences in a procedurally generated world? I don't know. Well, I came up with a solution. <laughs> For the low cost of $29.99. <laughs> but wait, there's more. I'll throw in. <laughs> so, uh, when Don't Starve generates a world, they, they, they populates the, the, the world with the world, um, and everything's made up of tiles. Every, so every ground type has a tile. So what he did was attach a tag to every tile that has an ambience associated with it. So, like, this grass has grassland ambience attached to it, and this is the rocky, and this is the forest. Mm -hmm. So so that way you get something that the code can tell what's going on. Right. So we've got all these tiles that say, hey, I'm a, I'm a grassland, I'm a rock. Then what the game does... Are those your temp ambiences? That'd be I great. Wish. It's just mad. I'm a grassland. I'm a grassland. 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 <laughs> looping. Uh, so the game then draws a circle around the player. Can't remember how many tiles wide it is, mm -hmm. but it's a circle pie circle. Yes, it's not square. No, circle. Not an octagon. No, it's a circle. Draw a circle around the around the player. Mm -hmm. Counts up all the tiles in that circle. So now I've got a list of, there is five forest, and well, there's like nine forest, and like seven rock, and five grassland, and mm -hmm. three swamp. It then takes the top three, chops off the bottom. We don't care about those. Takes the top three and forces that into a percentage of 100. Yes. Then mixes those three ambiences according to that percentage of 100. It's great. So if I've got um, five grassland and three rock and two swamp, we play 50% grassland, 30% whatever I said, and 
20% swamp. Mm -hmm. So then, boom, you've got an ambience for the area that you're standing in right now. And it's nice and complex. It has, it's three ambiences in one. Yep. Told you there was more. Yep. Three in one. Um, And then it updates, it updates that every time you move more than one tile. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we were updating it like every frame, and it was like, that's killing things. Yes. <laughs> um, so it it updates every tile, which is about a couple of meters, I think. Um, so, but, so you don't care until you've moved a tile. Nothing's going to change if you move in, inside one tile. Yeah. So once you move the distance of a tile, does the whole thing again and checks, and fades in the new new uh, new values. Mm-hmm. So it's it, not a it's, jump. Like, it is. It's, it's seeking. It has a seek speed attached. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it can it sort of because of that it sort of lags behind a little, but it's the ambience. It's ambience. okay. Like, yeah, totally. So <clears throat> you can get away with that. Um, it works really well. People love the ambiences and don't starve. Mm-hmm. Um, this so this works really well for two D procedurally generated games. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard to do. You can make it not that expensive. You know, you can update when you move or well, you know, you're, you'll every be using second you'll be or, using six voices max. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I have updated this system in some of our newer games. To something even more exciting. To a quadrant-based system. So there is sort of left front, right front, left back, right back, around the player. Yes. So you take that circle and split it into quadrants. Do each of those things in each quadrant. So then you start to get some more directionality out of things. And you use emitters in static positions around the player in the world, which future-proofs your game against VR. So they're basically, they're stuck to the player. They're invisible nodes. They're invisible, stuck, stuck to the player. It's like a stick. But they're, they're like beaming their brains down on the environment yeah. and being like, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you? Yeah. And then playing the ambience back. So it's it's like there's a little emitter like four meters on a stick out from a player mm-hmm. in like there's four of those. Yeah. Like you're wearing a like a vest with these sticks and these emitters floating out there. Well, and they have m- microphones on them listening. They're speakers. They're speakers playing. Well, they're both. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, uh, not that we think any of our games are gonna go VR, but I'm like, it's better to do it just in case. Yeah. To put it as emitters in the world, so it solves that whole like 2D ambience problem that VR yeah. has. And so, what is that problem? It breaks. I will describe it, I guess. Yo, go. You're the VR guy these days. The VR, the VR ambience problem is that, so we're used to placing uh, just stereo beds in a lot of our games. Um, because when you're turning around and it's just like there's birds and stuff, don't really care where they're coming from because yeah. it's just ambience. Um, whereas once you're in VR, as soon as you turn around and that bird that you could hear a very like if it's a binaural ambience especially, yeah. if you can hear specifically where it is and it moves with you when you turn your head, it's weird. It's and really it's, weird. And it's it's breaking your immersion yeah. and VR is all about the immersion. So, this way puts four emitters that spin as you spin mm-hmm. around your player so that you can keep all those ambiences moving and sort of have some directionality to them. Yeah. That I'm Or they don't spin as you spin. No, they spin with you. Well, then, but they're also but they're measuring. The, they're measuring. They're measuring at the as, same time. Yeah. So they spin so with you, but they're changing yeah. what they're playing as well. Yeah. Their their microphone is spinning and recalculating as it moves around. Right. So. So I haven't t- 
tested it yet as for, for VR like maybe stuff. It shouldn't spin. It should move with the player, but it should not spin. Because if there's a bird in one emitter, you want it to maintain that position on the map and not be relative to the player's uh, rotation. Depends on. But you do want it. You, you do want it to be reading that tile. Depends on if you're uh, third person or first person. Right. No, it doesn't. If you're God camera, you don't want them spinning. If you're first person, you want them to spin with you, so that the, the bird moves. You don't want the bird moving. No, the bird will stay where it is. Yeah. But the listener position. Oh, okay, we're t we're saying the same thing in different ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's the problem with audio. <laughs> I've had so many conversations with with Jamie, who's who's here now, um, that we're basically saying the same thing in two different ways. Yeah, we're like, yeah. no, we need to do it this way. No, I really think we should do it this way. Especially with this. We're, with we're saying the same thing, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Gotta love audio. Yeah. All right, that's two interesting things about two interesting games. Mm -hmm. Number and three. Number three, occlusion <laughs> and obstruction in Mark of the Ninja. My personal favorite. Fuck yeah. All right. Uh, basically, 2D games in general have panning problems and no sense of audio being in the world. I'm just throwing that out there. Fucking glove down on the table, you know, fight me. Prove me wrong, people. I know some 2D games with panning problems that are mine. <laughs> Uh, so Mark of the Ninja was built with FMOD Designer, so I wasn't using anything overly complex or crazy plugins you can't, you know, afford or anything. This was simple. You can do this too. Um, the system basically accounts for distance, uh, left, right, and kind of up-down position and doors. Um, so the programmery stuff. Um, the game used a sound mesh for every level. Um, and here was the great thing. The sound mesh was created for the AI to pathfind around because the AI could listen to things. Mm -hmm. So we already had a system in place that I was able to piggyback on and go, hey, we can use this for actual audio calculations as well. Um, it used a system called Triangle to create the mesh. So basically you feed the map into Triangle and it creates this cool mesh of things. Um, here, look. Gord, there's the picture of it. It's pretty cool. Looks like a spider web. So um, it takes all the empty so places. So is Triangle... You probably don't know the answer to this. Is Triangle something... Is it a, like a library people can get? I don't mean sound library. I mean like a programmatic library. Yes. I believe so it's, it, a, it, it it's a library. It exists out there. It's not yeah. a clay proprietary tool. No, no, no. no, no, no. It, it was something that from someone else okay. that we used to make these things. So yeah, it takes all the open space... And divides it all up into triangles. Okay. So instead of doing like ray casting or something, you can pathfind through this mesh. Um, so what we did was, so we got this mesh. We have a way to measure through the, the level that's being used by multiple systems. So great, low overhead that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so when a sound plays, what happens is we calculate the, the ninja was the listener position. So that's where we kind of, like, calculated stuff from. So a sound plays, and it would calculate a straight line between the sound itself and the ninja. That was used to driven a volume parameter. So it's proximity to the ninja, regardless of the world, mm -hmm. dictated how loud it was. 
We then pathfinded through the level. Pathfinded? Pathfound? Pathfound? Pathfound. We pathfound through the level using the triangle mesh. Uh, and it found the quickest route it could through a bunch of floors and through a bunch of stairs. And uh, that drove a low pass filter with a weird, crazy curve that I put on it that sounded right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't look right, but it sounded right with a bunch of testing. So that way, if a sound had to travel a really long path, it would get really muffled. So, um, and then screen location dictated panning, mm -hmm. which I had done a, a custom pan curve to eliminate that, like, it's all hard right or hard left because your listener position is on the plane of the 2D. Right. Which I hate. Yeah. Um, and doors added to the pathfind value. There was a closed door. Every closed door added a certain amount above the pathfind value. Right. Um, as well, I forgot there was a, a, a bit in there if the straight line distance was of like volume minus 60 was basically unhearable. It just stopped every calculation at that point. Okay. So it didn't bother to do pathfinding for stuff it knew would be too quiet. Right. So save your CPUs. Yes. Um, so that, what that basically does is guy is walking on the floor above the ninja, which you can see because it's a 2D game. Uh, the sound it has to technically go through a whole bunch of the level to come back to the ninja. So it's very filtered, but it's really loud because it's walking right above him. It's great. It was perfect. Yeah. Maybe not perfect, but it was. it's really good, and it's not complex to do. Like, I usually, like, throw it. I did 2D obstruction and occlusion in a, in a game, and people are like, what? And then once you describe it, you're like, oh, that's easy. Yeah. So it's a nice, simple thing that everybody who's doing 2D games should, should put in. And I think... Like 2D platformers and everything. It's good. I would love to see more yeah. people do it. It's so awesome. And like the, your, the, your last two cool things about cool games, interesting things about interesting games. Yeah. I think like the, the big lesson to take away from them is know what's going on in your game yeah. more than on a sound level. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's like, oh, we're using... You guys are using tiles. Can I use those too? Right. Oh, you're using triangle. Can I use that too? Yeah. You're, it's way more likely you're going to get tools for sound to make your game sound better, which in turn makes your career better. Um, if it's something that you can piggyback on, if it's yeah. data that's already being created. Um, yeah. The, if, if people are ever hesitant about giving you support or tools or, you know, making cool stuff, if you can find something they're already doing, half the battle is already won. Like, you're already doing this. Yeah, like a lot of the time, as far as creating a parameter, I've yeah. been trying to learn a bit more C-sharp and stuff, or just, like, looking at it. Yeah. Um, creating a parameter, a lot of the time it's just grabbing, like, copying code that already exists and yeah. pasting it into an R RTPC bracket, yeah. more or less. Just, like, taking the parameter function, grabbing this from somewhere else, and putting it there. And oh. just be like, you drive this, too. Now. Oh, you're measuring this? Oh, I want to know that value, too. Yeah. yeah. So that gives you a lot of power to make things more dynamic, make things more interesting. Uh, we were just working on a big, fancy, really complicated music implementation in Fossil Echo with John Robert Matz. I was yep. just helping him with FMOD because he hasn't used it a lot before. And we managed to drive the entire implementation with one binary parameter. Nice. Like, forward or not, Yeah, basically. 
but it's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be aware of your systems is a really, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a point I didn't, when I did the talk, I didn't hammer on enough. Mm -hmm. That is a really good point of like, if you it's, know the systems of your game, you're going to be able to get more done. Yeah. And people are going to be more excited. I don't know. A lot of my programmers are very excited about making tools. Yeah. So I can get a little bit more sometimes. Yeah. But if they like it if it's easier. And yeah. It's a lot easier if they can just copy and paste it and be like, you're a parameter now. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, if, they're, if you're ever getting hesitance about mm -hmm. giving you support in that area, yeah, the more you can get off of stuff that's already been done, yeah, it's easier. Yeah. So there's, you know, you've already got the wheels greased kind of thing. Yeah. So... So like, yeah, yeah. Look at the game. What is it doing? And be like, it's doing this. Is it is that generating data that we're measuring? And how hard or how hard is it for you to track yeah. that data? Or if you've got an idea, you know, the other way. If you've got an idea, start to look at where that data might be coming from. Yeah. And and then you know, okay, what what do I need? Where is that that I can get that from? That is going to be being measured already. Yes. You know, so if you're doing like, okay, is it is it the physics system? Is it the animation system? Is it you know, what's something that can be being already tracked that I can mm -hmm. tie off of? Yeah, because a lot of the time, all we need are like minimums and maximums. Yeah, and almost all my parameters are just like, what's the minimum and maximum that this thing can do? Yeah, and if you've got if you've got a um, if you can do a little math, it's real easy. A lot of times, to turn values into the values you want. Yeah. You know, to make that clamp that to a minimum and maximum. Yeah, totally. So. All right. All right. That so was, that was that, that was, was a fun. fast hour. Seriously? Well, we're going to edit it past, but yeah, we've already got an hour on the clock. It's crazy. Wow. So we're, let's. Well, we got let's, crazy questions to do too. This is going to be a long episode. All right, we can do long episodes. Yeah. Thank you, Podbean. Um. All right. So, hit up people for questions today. Yep. Uh, Jack Manhorn has asked batch processing. Yes. Yes. Sample manager. Uh, fave retro sound design? The footsteps in RoboCop. <laughs> They're so ridiculous and out of place and yep. weird. Yep. But because of that, they have become iconic. There you go. I don't have one. I can't think no. of... I think... Star Wars is too easy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything cool either. So I'm just going to... I'm going to leave it a mystery. Right. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Tea. Fight to the death. Uh, all right. I like both. I like. I go. I, like, I go both ways. I like really good coffee. Yeah, I got spoiled. You Caitlin know, got me. I've had incredible coffee for Christmas. Yeah, and then I went back to my normal not not incredible coffee. Yeah. Not bad. It wasn't like Folgers. It was stuff I bought in Cuba. Yeah, and I was like, this is garbage, and I don't want it. And I yeah. don't. And uh, it's like my taste buds are actually ruined. Yeah. All right. Uh, Slan Lau um, on the Slack channel asked, I've seen a lot of sound design streams constantly in consisting entirely of creating assets to animation or video by pulling in sound libraries, library sounds. At what point is it important to consider recording new source? When you don't know what to look for in your library... Um, like if you've been looking for a while and you're just like, ah, I don't think I have it. If you don't think you have it, you probably don't have it. So stop looking and record the damn thing. Yeah. Um, I would say you record as much as you can put in libraries of the stuff you can't. Yeah. You know, 
Like there's there's lots of great libraries of stuff, but I've I've even put in some really badly recorded stuff that worked for what I needed it. Right. You know, and it was more rewarding to me as a sound person to be like, hey, I recorded that. Yeah. That's, but, you a, know, that's a big thing that is going to apply to a few of these questions because we yeah. went over them earlier. And that's like, it's more enjoyable to work with your own sounds. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I don't have a tank. So no. if there's a tank, well, guess I'm going to pull a tank from a library. Yeah. Well, you could just rattle some spoons. <laughs> you know, there's totally, there's some stuff you can fake some and there's some stuff. Old, there's old just, egg beater, pitch it down, you got a tank. You know, some stuff you just you just <laughs> need the real thing. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I draw the line. Like library sounds are totally legit, and we use them all the time. And people who are like, I never use libraries. I wish I could do that, but I like libraries. You can't. Some people have just done it better than me. Yeah. Um, I will record things like if I've just used that sound so many times. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's a bad sound or that I don't have it. I'm just I'm just sick of You're it. You're just tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Jay Fernandez said, what do you personally struggle with when creating or implementing sounds and how do you deal with it? My own attention span. <laughs> Yesterday doing implementation for Oaklos. I need a better system. I don't know what to do though, but I like to basically, uh, it's a good system. It's like pretty airtight, but it's really, really tedious Yeah. where I will do five intensities of the same music track and put it all on one big long super track, mm -hmm. and have the playhead just jump around depending on what where I where I want the intensity to be. Yeah. So that maintains this whole this is a song arc. Yeah. And not that this is like a randomly generated thing, and it's not catchy, and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. The song is always going where I want it to go, but it might have like crazy huge mini brute bass and big drums, or it might just be like a solo mandolin. Yeah. Um, but that means I need a marker. I need I need a transition marker. Oh, you need tons of them. And a mar and a marker yeah. for every single place where I want it to possibly change. Which for which last night was forty-four markers per intensity. Yeah. So forty-four times five, hundred and twenty hundred is more than it's hundred and thirty or hundred and forty something. Yeah. That's markers a lot. markers and transition markers and I have to like calibrate them all and and so I was having a lot of just moments where I just wasn't doing anything for 10 minutes because I my brain got so bored. Yeah. Um, I don't struggle with anything. No. I, <laughs> uh, what do I struggle with? Uh, keeping on track, same kind of thing. Like attention span is definitely... Attention span. Um, running into something hard and just not wanting to deal with it <laughs> is, I think, a problem with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, there's totally that of just like knowing what needs to be done and just not wanting to do it and finding something easier to do at the time being. Yeah. Like yeah. just putting off the hard stuff till the end. Yeah. I'm I'm probably more like have a problem with follow through. Mm -hmm. I love conceptualizing everything and yeah. figuring out how we're going to do it. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now I have to do it. Oh, this is the boring part. It's, like so a, it's, it's the like, oh, I came up with a system and we'll do these transitions and oh, now I have to put in 100 markers. Oh. It's like 85% of beginning game designers. Yeah. I got the best idea for a game ever. Yeah. Oh, I have to make it. Oh. oh. I don't know if this is for me. Can somebody else do that part? Yeah. Uh, uh, Fred Rafik asked, uh, any recommendations on how to jump from using synth presets to designing patches? I think that's similar to Sean's recording question. It's like when you're bored yeah. of what you what the presets are doing, or they're not doing I what just, you want. You're gonna have I, to make it yourself. Yeah, I love on on soft synths random mm -hmm. buttons. 
Yes. You know, random review tape buttons. That's a like, you want to just jump off a cliff, Mm -hmm. you know, open up whatever preset X, you know, that you like and just start hitting random buttons. I I really liked the one uh, that vacuum had when I was at school. So you hit a random button and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. And then you start trying to make it like hit the random button a couple times and then Mm -hmm. try to make it to where you want it. Yeah. Just you just sort of like to me, you just jump off the cliff of like, I'm not going to use a preset. I'm going to I'm going to make something. Um, I think it's a little easier for me to conceptualize because I've got my modular and analog, and it's just mm-hmm. you have to do that. There's no, there's no presets. There are no presets. <laughs> I, I have I have presets of my own for my mini brute. I don't mm-hmm. use like the paper templates, but I just take a picture with my phone and email it to myself. Yeah. So if I ever need my Oakwell's base, yeah, you know what, I what just, it is. I just search my email. Sweet. Juan uh, Tribe asked, "I'm murdering people's names today." I think that was probably okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying you it again. Treat, you treat. I'm not you saying tried. it again. Uh, what do you do if you hit a wall when trying to create a specific sound for a client and for some reason you can't seem to nail what he's asking for? Get references. Walk away. You leave? Just w- for a while. Not, oh. not entirely. Yeah. Not yeah. just like, I'm done with this. Fuck this project. <laughs> I'm out of here. Wait, you just quit? <laughs> Man, uh, we're supposed to inspire it, people. If if I've gotten good reference and I'm just not, like, getting it, like, if I know what it is and I can't get what's in my head... Sleep on it. Just yeah. walk away mm-hmm. for a while. Do something else. Clear your head. Like, don't do audio. Yeah. And, and just come back to it. Or, you know, do, like, a... Um, what's the card thing? Ublique Strategies? Oh, yeah. Oblique. Oblique Strategies. Just do, like... That kind of like pick a weird thing and be like, all right, I'm going to like throw out half the tracks I've created already and start over. Or I'm going to like yeah, grab this works. weird instrument and like just blow up what you've done mm-hmm. in some way. If it's not working, it's not working. Yeah. Don't try to, yeah, it's trying to shove a square peg into a round hole sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I've certainly found like when people have asked me revisions and you start just tweaking the thing, because mm-hmm. you're like, no, no, this is good, and I'm just, and it's just, it never gets right. You just, yeah, I did that for do list, do list this month out yep. of experience because yep. I, I had written a track and got notes, and I kind of knew while I was still writing the first track that I was like, this isn't going to work, but I'm having so much fun, so I finished it, and then sent it off, and I got revision notes, but I was like, this is not worth it. Yeah, so I just started over, and then it turned out great and went way faster than yeah. trying to. Trying to, trying to continue to tweak what you started. Yeah, just to contort this thing yeah. into something else. So, so yeah, get reference. Get more reference. Yes. Walk away for a while. Are great. It's good to get more a lot of references because it might not be what the client, they, they might not want what they think they want. Yeah. And the more you get them to think about it, the more they might realize yeah. what they actually want. Um, all right. Uh, Nils. Um, asked, what's the weirdest thing you used for a sound source, be it happy accident or planned? Weirdest? Pudding was pretty weird. <laughs> see, see, I'm like, pudding was not weird at I, all. That was planned. That, that was, was planned. And I'm still just like, it was planned, and I'm like, pudding and jello, of course, that's a sound guy thing. That's not like weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, report- I'll go back to again. I think we had a similar question another time. Yeah, I thought so. Screaming into my bathtub was right. a fairly weird one. Screaming uh, into a full tank, you know, tank of water. Yeah. 
was odd. Um, the the toilet I recorded in a hotel because it was screaming really weird. That was <laughs> odd. Well, excuse me, before we leave the hotel, okay, I just need to I need to shut off all the lights in the bathroom and flush the toilet ten times. Yeah, that reminds me, I still haven't recorded it, but my friend Dan, you've met Dan. Yep. Um, Dan in Seattle, they have, like, I was when I stay in Seattle, I stay in their spare room. Mm-hmm. The shower down there, oh. when you move the curtain, yeah, yeah. it's terrifying. Nice. It's got just metal on metal, terrifying shower curtain. So, I Dan, really record your curtain. Nice. Yeah, do it. And share it with us all. Yeah. Uh, I realized today that the clay kitchen and the shoes I'm currently wearing make the perfect basketball squeak sound. <laughs> like playing basketball? Yeah, that like, I don't know, there's something about it. And somebody else commented, and then I was like, doing it a bunch, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so annoying the office, just like squeaking away in the, the, the kitchen. <laughs> Nobody said anything, though. I think they're like oblivious to like, they're like, ah, oh, sound guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Last question, I think. Uh, Danny asked, what is a good finaling workflow? Is there an easy way to identify when you're overthinking and tweaking and should move on? Well, I run into this a lot. You're, you're kind of doing this right now. My, this may take some experience. I don't know. Part of, part of my thinking is like, am I getting better or am I, or is my like intuition just getting worse? <laughs> And I just don't care anymore. <laughs> but unless something sticks out at me, yeah, I'm not changing anything. Yeah, unless something really like tweaks me and is like, "Ooh, that's bad." Yeah, um, then it's time to mo- move on because I've just had so much to do this month, and it no, it's not coming back. Things don't come back. Yeah, um, I don't know if my games are sounding worse. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I'm just getting more confident. Um, I feel like we've got an interesting workflow around here for finaling because we don't really traditionally final a game because we work so much in early access. Yeah. Oh, like fi- like finishing. Yeah. Oh, you you just run out of time. There's that's yeah. that's so, the only finaling process there is. So my my finaling for everything would probably be different than it was. At least I thought it was about finaling the game. Good finaling. Workflow. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it finaling or mastering or yeah. what. So, but anyways, I'm talking about finaling. Finaling a game. Um, Just run out of time. You do. You totally run out of time. Yeah. So it's basically your whole workflow is how much stuff can I get done before I run out of time and get locked out of the depot. Exactly. So with it's different from uh, doing early access for a game versus regular development. In regular development, you know, you you backload all your mixing to the end, kind of you get as much stuff done before that, mm-hmm. and then you just be like, all right. We're content complete. I'm mixing like crazy. Yeah. Um, and then you mix until they lock you out. Yeah. Um, so then it's just sort of pick pick the big stuff. You do big down to picky. So you do all mm-hmm. the big broad strokes. Yeah, I was trying to then, get content created first. Yeah. But, yeah, early access, you have to be mixing the whole time. Otherwise, people are going to go crazy. So then I find I've, I found for, for our early access games, the sort of finaling is... Not as big a deal because we've already been doing all this work as we've been going along. Mm -hmm. So it's less of a... There's still, like, mixing at the end, but it's just you're really, like, fine-tuned polishing. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of ship it. Yeah, we're just ship now. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still totally... It's all of it's just, well, you just run out of time. Yeah. So do... Fossil Echo, I asked the the team, and... Because I haven't really got 
a build, very, yeah. really a build. So I was pretty apprehensive. And I was like, I was how much, like, so how much time am I going to get with the build once you guys are done? Basically, yeah. they're like, we're going to make the game, and then we're going to give it to you, and then you can do your thing. Nice. And I was like, how much time do I get? And they're like, as much as you want. And I, I just, and then it was a single tear. <laughs> so it doesn't happen. That, you're living the dream. Yeah. That is the miracle amongst. As, as, as much as, as long as it takes for you to be happy with your work, they said. Nice. So I was like, great, you'll get, get your game in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still, I'm still tweaking <laughs> just a couple more things. Uh, all right. All so right. that's all the questions. We off got to Felindy. We go. Off, we're off to, yeah, hang out with some, some indie people. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Start a meetup. Start a meetup. Um, and I don't know, should I mention the synth? Oh, yeah. Yes. So, uh, Alex from Seattle started a GoFundMe because I have no money as of late because of various reasons. Um, and there's some cool new synths came out. Uh, and he crowdfunded from all of you people enough to buy me a synth, which is fucking amazing yeah that was crazy <laughs> um so i am eternally grateful to all of you who chipped in a couple of bucks and are buying me a synth so that's super awesome i'm borrowing it you are yeah i think that's fair all right and everybody who contributed i'm making a sample pack now i'm on the hook for making a sample pack for a synthesizer really yeah nice yeah okay so it's like, I gave to the community, so they gave back to me. So now I'm giving back to the community. <laughs> it's an endless circle. Feedback loop. Ah! All right. So thanks to everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next week. Sponsor no, next us. next month. Sponsor us. Sound toys.